Act One of The Physician in Spite of Himself by Moliere. Translated by Henri van Laun, 1820 to 1896. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personi Geraint, Father to Lucinda Read by Todd Leander, Lucinda's Lover Read by Arav Agarwal Scanarel, Husband to Martin Read by Jason in Panama Monsieur Robert Scanarel's Neighbor Read by Roger Moline Lucas Husband to Jacqueline Read by Thomas Peter. Valère, Geront's servant. Read by Alan Mapstone. Thibault, peasant. Read by son of the exiles. Perrin, his son, peasant. Read by Owen Cook. Lucinde, Geront's daughter. Read by Leanne Yao. Martine, Scanarel's wife. Read by Devora Allen. Jacqueline, nurse at Geron's and Lucas' wife. Read by Sonia. Stage directions. Read by Sandra Schmidt. The physician in spite of himself. Le médecin malgré lui. Act 1. The scene represents a forest. Scene 1. Sganarelle, Martin, appearing on the stage, quarrelling. No. I tell you that I will do nothing of the kind, and that it is for me to speak and to be master. And I tell you that I will have you to live as I like, and that I am not married to you to put up with your vagaries. Oh, what a nuisance it is to have a wife! And Aristotle is perfectly right in saying that a woman is worse than a demon. Look at Master Clever with his silly Aristotle. Yes, Master Clever. Find me another faggot binder who can argue upon things as I can, who has served a famous physician for six years, and who, when only a boy, had his rudiments at his fingers' ends. Plague on the errant fool. Plague on the slut. Cursed be the hour and the day when I took it into my head to say yes. Cursed be the cuckold of a notary that made me sign my own ruination. Certainly it well becomes you to complain on that score. Ought you not rather to thank heaven every minute of the day that you have me for a wife? And did you deserve to marry a woman like me? It is true you did me too much honor, and I had great occasion to be satisfied with my wedding night. Zounds, do not make me open my mouth too wide. I might say certain things. What? What could you say? Enough. Let us drop the subject. It is enough that we know what we know, and that you were very glad to meet with me. What do you call very glad to meet with you? A fellow who will drive me to the hospital. A debauched, deceitful wretch who gobbles up every farthing I have got. That is a lie, for I drink part of it. Who sells piecemeal every stick of furniture in the house. That is living upon one's means. Who has taken the very bed from under me. You will get up all the earlier. In short, who does not leave me a stick in the whole house. There will be less trouble in moving. And who from morning to night does nothing but gamble and drink. That is done in order not to get in the dumps. And what am I to do all the while with my family? Whatever you like. I have got four poor children on my hands. Put them down. 
who keep asking me every moment for bread. Whip them. When I have had enough to eat and to drink, everyone in the house ought to be satisfied. And do you mean to tell me, you sot, that things can always go on so? Wife, let us proceed gently, if you please. That I am to bear forever with your insolence and your debauchery. Do not let us get into a passion, wife. And that I do not know the way to bring you back to your duty. Wife, you know that I am not very patient and that my arm is somewhat heavy. I laugh at your threats. My sweet wife, my pet, your skin is itching as usual. I will let you see that I am not afraid of you. My dearest rib, you have set your heart upon a thrashing. Do you think that I am frightened at your talk? Sweet object of my affections, I shall box your ears for you. Sought that you are. I shall thrash you. Walking wine cask. I shall pummel you. Infamous wretch. I shall curry your skin for you. Wretch, villain, deceiver, cur, scoundrel, gallowsbird, churl, rogue, scamp, thief. You will have it, will you? Takes a stick and beats her. Ah! Help! 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 That is the real way of quieting you. Scene 2. Monsieur Robert, Scanarelle, Martine. Halloa, halloa, halloa. Fee, what is this? What a disgraceful thing. Plague take the scamp to beat his wife so. Martine, her arms akimbo, speaks to Monsieur Robert and makes him draw back. At last, she gives him a slap on the face. And I like him to beat me, I do. If that is the case, I consent with all my heart. What are you interfering with? I am wrong. Is it any of your business? You are right. Just look at this jackanapes, who wishes to hinder husbands from beating their wives. I apologize. What have you got to say to it? Nothing. Is it for you to poke your nose into it? No. Mind your own business. I shall not say another word. It pleases me to be beaten. Agreed. It does not hurt you. That is true. And you are an ass to interfere with what does not concern you. Neighbor, I ask your pardon with all my heart. Go on, thrash and beat your wife as much as you like. I shall help you if you wish it. He goes towards Scanarelle, who also speaks to him, makes him draw back, beats him with the stick he has been using, and puts him to flight. I do not wish it. Ah, that is a different thing. I will beat her if I like, and I will not beat her if I do not like. Very good. She is my wife and not yours. Undoubtedly. It is not for you to order me about. Just so. I do not want your help. Exactly so. And it is like your impertinence to meddle with other people's business. Remember that Cicero says that between the tree and the finger you should not put the bark. He drives him away, then comes back to his wife, and says to her, squeezing her hand, Scene 3. Sganarelle, Martin. Come, let us make it up. Shake hands. Yes, after having beaten me thus. Never mind that. Shake hands. I will not. Eh? No. Come, wife. I shall not. Come, I tell you. I will do nothing of the kind. Come, come, come. No, I will be angry. Bah, it is a trifle. Do. Leave me alone. Shake hands, I tell you. You have treated me too ill. Well, I beg your pardon. Put your hand there. 
I forgive you. Aside. But I shall make you pay for it. You are silly to take notice of it. These are trifles that are necessary now and then to keep up good feeling. And five or six strokes of a cudgel between people who love each other only brighten the affections. There now, I am going to the wood, and I promise you that you shall have more than a hundred faggots today. Scene 4. Martin alone. Go, my lad. Whatever look I may put on, I shall not forget to pay you out, and I am dying to hit upon something to punish you for the blows you gave me. I know well enough that a wife has always the means of being revenged upon her husband, but that is too delicate a punishment for my gallows bird. I want a revenge that shall strike home a little more, or it will not be satisfaction for the insult which I have received. Scene 5. Valère, Lucas, Martin. Lucas to Valère, without seeing Martin. In fact, we have undertaken a curious errand, and I do not know, for my part, what we shall get by it. Valère to Lucas, without seeing Martin. What is the use of grumbling, good foster father? We are bound to do as our master tells us. And besides, we have both of us some interest in the health of his daughter, our mistress. For her marriage, which is put off through her illness, will no doubt bring us in something. Horace, who is generous, is the most likely to succeed among her suitors. And although she has shown some inclination for a certain Leandra, you know well enough that her father would never consent to receive him for his son-in-law. Martin, musing on one side, thinking herself alone. Can I not find out some way of revenging myself? Lucas to Valère. But what an idea has he taken into his head, since the doctors are quite at a loss? Valère to Lucas. You may sometimes find, by dint of seeking, what cannot be found at once. And often, in the most unlikely spots, you may... Martine, thinking herself always alone. Yes, I must pay him out, no matter at what cost. Those cudgel blows lie heavy on my stomach. I cannot digest them. And... She's saying all this musingly, and as she moves, she comes in contact with the two men. Ah, gentlemen, I beg your pardon. I did not notice you and was puzzling my brain about something that perplexes me. Everyone has his troubles in this world, and we also are looking for something that we should be very glad to find. Is it something in which I can assist you? Perhaps. We are endeavouring to meet with some clever man, some special physician, who could give some relief to our master's daughter, seized with an illness which has at once deprived her of the use of her tongue. Several physicians have already exhausted all their knowledge on her behalf, but sometimes one may find people with wonderful secrets and certain peculiar remedies who very often succeed where others have failed. And that is the sort of man we are looking for. Martin, aside. Ah, this is an inspiration from heaven to revenge myself on my rascal. Aloud. You could never have addressed yourselves to anyone more able to find what you want. 
and we have a man here, the most wonderful fellow in the world for desperate maladies. Ah, for mercy's sake, where can we meet with him? You will find him just now in that little spot yonder, where he is amusing himself in cutting wood. A doctor who cuts wood? Who is amusing himself in gathering some simples, you mean to say? No, he is a strange fellow who takes a delight in this. A fantastic, eccentric, whimsical man, whom you would never take to be what he really is. He goes about dressed in the most extraordinary fashion, pretends sometimes to be very ignorant, keeps his knowledge to himself, and dislikes nothing so much every day as using the marvellous talents which God has given him for the healing art. It is a wonderful thing that all these great men have always some whim, some slight grain of madness mixed with their learning. The madness of this man is greater than can be imagined, for sometimes he has to be beaten before he will own his ability. And I warn you beforehand that you will not succeed, that he will never own that he is a physician, unless you take each a stick and compel him by dint of blows to admit at last what he will conceal at first. It is thus that we act when we have need of him. What a strange delusion. That is true, but after that you shall see that he works wonders. What is his name? His name is Sganarell, but it is very easy to recognize him. He is a man with a large black beard, and who wears a ruff and a yellow and green coat. A yellow and green coat? He is then a paradoctor? But is it really true that he is as clever as you say? As clever. He is a man who works miracles. About six months ago, a woman was given up by all the other physicians. She was considered dead at least six hours, and they were going to bury her, when they dragged by force the man we are speaking of to her bedroom. Having seen her, he poured a small drop of something into her mouth, and at that very instant she rose from her bed, and began immediately to walk in her room as if nothing had happened. Ha! It must have been a drop of liquid gold. Possibly so. Not more than three weeks ago, a young child, twelve years old, fell from the top of the belfry, and smashed his head, arms, and legs on the stones. No sooner took they our man to it, than he rubbed the whole body with a certain ointment, which he knows how to prepare, and the child immediately rose on its legs and ran away to play at chuck-farthing. Ha! This man must have the universal heal-all. Who doubts it? Oh, it's Bob's. That is the very man we want. Let us go quickly and fetch him. We thank you for the service you have rendered us. But do not fail to remember the warning I have given you. Hey, Zooks, leave it to us. If he wants nothing but a thrashing, we will gain our point. Valère, to Lucas. We are very glad to have met with this woman, and I conceive the best hopes in the world from it. Scene 6 Sganarelle, Valère, Lucas. Sganarelle, behind the scene. La, la, la. I hear someone singing and cutting wood. Sganarelle, coming on, with a bottle in his hand, without perceiving Valère or Lucas. La, la, la. Really, I have done enough to deserve a drink. Let us take a little breath. He drinks. This wood is as salt as the very devil. How sweet to hear my pretty flask! How sweet to hear your little gull-gull! No fate with mine could vie, if never you ran dry. Oh, darling little flask, but constantly were full! 
Come, zounds, we must take care not to get the blues. Valère, softly to Lucas. This is the very man. Lucas, softly to Valère. I think you are right, and that we have just hit upon him. Let us look a little closer. Zganarel, hugging the bottle. Ah, you little rogue, I love you, my pretty dear. He sings, but perceiving Lucas and Valère, who are examining him, he lowers his voice. No fate with mine could vie is... Seeing that they examine him more closely... Whom the deuce do these people want? Valère to Lucas. He is surely he. Lucas to Valère. There he is, exactly as he has been described to us. Sganarelle, aside. At this point, he puts down his bottle, and Valère stooping down to bow to him, he thinks that it is in order to snatch it away, and puts it on the other side. As Lucas is doing the same thing as Valère, Sganarelle takes it up again and hugs it to his breast, with various grimaces which make a great deal of by-play. They are consulting each other while looking at me. What can be their intentions? Sir, is your name not Scannerel? Hey, what? I ask you if your name is not Scannerel. Sganarel, turning first to Valère, then to Lucas. Yes and no. It depends on what you want with him. We want nothing with him but to offer him our utmost civilities. In that case, my name is Ganarel. We are delighted to see you, sir. We have been recommended to you for what we are in search of, and we have come to implore your help, of which we are in want. If it be anything, gentlemen, that belongs to my little trade, I am quite ready to oblige you. You are too kind to us, sir. But put your hat on, sir, if you please. The sun might hurt you. Pray, sir, put it on. Sganarel, aside. What a deal of ceremony these people use. He puts his hat on. You must not think it strange, sir, that we have addressed ourselves to you. Clever people are always much sought after. And we have been informed of your capacity. It is true, gentlemen, that I am the best hand in the world at making faggots. Oh, sir. I spare no pains and make them in a fashion that leaves nothing to be desired. That is not the question we have come about, sir. But I charge a hundred and ten sous the hundred. Let us not speak about that, if you please. I pledge you my word that I could not sell them for less. We know what is what, sir. If you know what is what, you know that I charge that price. This is a joke, sir, but... It is no joke at all. I cannot bait a farthing. Let us talk differently, please. You may find some elsewhere for less. There be faggots and faggots, but for those which I make... Let us change the conversation, pray, sir. I take my oath that you shall not have them for less, not a fraction. Fine, fine. 
No, upon my word, you shall have to pay that price. I am speaking frankly, and I am not the man to overcharge. Oh, a gentleman like you, sir, amuse himself with these clumsy pretenses, to lower himself to talk thus. Ought so learned a man, such a famous physician as you are, to wish to disguise himself in the eyes of the world, and keep buried his great talents? Zganarel, aside, he is mad. Pray, sir, do not dissemble with us. What do you mean? All this beating about the bush is useless. We know what we know. What do you know? What do you want with me? For whom do you take me? For what you are, a great physician. Physician yourself. I am not one, and I have never been one. Valère aside now the fit is on him aloud sir do not deny things any longer and do not if you please make us have recourse to unpleasant extremities have recourse to what to certain things that we should be sorry for zounds have recourse to whatever you like i am not a physician and do not understand what you mean Valère aside well i perceive that we shall have to apply the remedy aloud once more sir i pray you to confess what you are arts bobs do not talk any more nonsense and confess plainly that you are a physician Zganarel, aside i am getting in a rage what is the good of denying what all the world knows why all these funny falsehoods what is the good of it one word is as good as a thousand gentlemen i tell you that i am not a physician you are not a physician no you are not a physician no i tell you since you will have it so we must make up our minds to do it they each take a stick and thresh him hold 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 gentlemen i will be anything you like why sir do you oblige us to use this violence why do you make us take the trouble of giving you a beating i assure you that i regret it with all my heart upon my word i am sorry for it too what the devil does it all mean gentlemen for pity's sake is it a joke or are you both gone out of your minds to wish to make me out a physician what you do not give in yet and you still deny being a physician the devil take me if i am one are you not a physician no plague choke me they begin to thresh him again hold hold well gentlemen yes since you will have it so i am a physician i am a physician an apothecary into the bargain if you like i prefer saying yes to everything to being knocked about so ah that is right sir i am delighted to see you so reasonable it does my heart good to hear you speak in this way i beg your pardon with all my heart i hope you will forgive me for the liberty i have taken Zganarel, aside bless my soul am i perhaps myself mistaken and i have become a physician without being aware of it you shall not regret, sir, having shown us what you are. 
and you shall certainly be satisfied. But tell me, gentlemen, may you not be yourselves mistaken? Is it quite certain that I am a physician? Yes, upon my word. Really and truly? Undoubtedly. The devil take me if I knew it. Nonsense! You are the cleverest physician in the world. Ha ha! A physician who has cured I do not know how many complaints. The dickens I have. A woman was thought dead for six hours. She was ready to be buried when you, with a drop of something, brought her to again, and made her walk at once about the room. The deuce I did. A child of twelve fell from the top of the belfry, by which he had his head, his legs, and his arms smashed, and you, with I do not know what ointment, made him immediately get upon his feet, and off he ran to play chuck-farthing. The devil I did. In short, sir, you will be satisfied with us, and you shall earn whatever you like, if you allow us to take you where we intend. I shall earn whatever I like? Yes. In that case, I am a physician. There is no doubt of it. I had forgotten it, but I recollect it now. What is the matter? Where am I to go? We will conduct you. The matter is to see a girl who has lost her speech. Indeed, I have not found it. Valère, softly to Lucas. Oh, he loves a joke. To Sganarelle. Come along, sir. Without a physician's gown? We will get one. Sganarelle, presenting his bottle to Valère. You carry this. I put my juleps in there. Turning round to Lucas and spitting on the ground. And you, stamp on this. By order of the physician. Odd sniggers. <laughs> this is a physician I like. I think he will do, for he is a comical fellow. End of Act One